delighted to be back with my co-presenter, Ekta Kumar. Ali, good afternoon. Welcome again to The Tax Files, a monthly audio podcast where alongside an esteemed guest, we will be discussing the most pertinent topics for tax and accounting professionals, while also getting to know some key members of the tax industry just a little bit better. Ali, it's been a while. How have you been? I'm good. I'm good. As you know, we had the uh, Financial Services Tax Conference, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. But I, I needed two weeks holiday after that. Uh, but I didn't get the two weeks holiday. I managed to um, attend a tax conference in Austin, Texas. So I was actually on a ranch on a tax conference, which is a first for me. Uh, so very excited. And I'm excited because next week we should be uh, getting the recordings from the conference. Let me tell you, the amount of feedback that we have gotten from that financial services tax conference as somebody that was present for the event itself, such an incredible, diverse list of speakers, all with such different, amazing insights into tax-specific legislative changes or reputational changes. It was such a fantastic conference. And to have the number one resident celebrity, Mr. Ali Kazmi, uh, at <laughs> the same building was just incredible. The amount of people, not just from the UK, but internationally, who came up to me during the conference and said, we so look forward to these things. It is one of the best events that we attend. was absolutely incredible. So hats off to, to you and the whole of the Hansuki team to, uh, for, for putting this amazing event on. It was incredible. You you must have needed at least a couple of weeks of downtime afterwards. But I hear you were on a, a ranch in Texas learning about sort of other tax topical issues. Ali, no rest for the wicked. Indeed. So what about yourself? What were you up to? Honestly, it's amazing how quickly this year is going away now. I've actually myself just come back from uh, a tax event that was hosted in Belgium um, last week. And rather unfortunately from coming back from that event, have ended up getting struck down with COVID for the second time, which uh, which was not ideal. Um, but back on the mend, back into the, the swing of things, and hurt them towards the end of the year, which is, uh, which is pretty scary. You're looking good. Ah, thank you. And Please listeners, go. I promise you it is the case. <laughs> Well, look, we are um, honoured to be joined by our esteemed guest for today's podcast, Rhiannon Kinghall-Ware, currently the Head of Tax Policy at McFarland's. Rhiannon is an expert in UK tax policy and contemporary tax issues, having previously held the role of Principal Tax Policy Advisor at the CBI, somebody who is renowned in the tax field for their knowledge, their repertoire of engagements and also their presence from a tax perspective. It is my honour to welcome Rhiannon to the Tax Files. Rhiannon, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Rhiannon. My pleasure and honour too. So just uh, in terms of how the podcast goes, uh, we'll talk a little bit about your career journey, um, get a little bit of uh, advice input into some of the current uh, taxation developments. And then importantly, uh, both mine and Ekta's favorite part is the rapid uh, rapid fire round at the end. So um, we're looking forward to that. Likewise. 
I hope you're ready, Rhiannon, with <laughs> the esteemed rapid fire round. Don't worry, we'll have a bit of build up until we get there. How has your week been so far? Um, I had a good weekend, I guess, enjoying the last of the autumn sunshine. Um, had a long, a long walk that finished at a at a microbrewery. So I guess that was that was quite quite good. And I had a, a happy husband who was willing to walk with with that at the end. So it's been good. But it's it's been a busy time on the policy front. Obviously, quite a tumultuous few weeks in politics. So that that's been keeping me busy on the work front. Excellent, excellent. So, Rihanna, I'm sure our listeners are really wanting to find out. You know, for someone like you who's had a illustrious career in taxation, you know, what have been the key highlights? Thank you. Well, it's maybe worth just starting off with a little bit about my current role, which obviously is a is a highlight. Um, so I'm I'm head of tax policy at McFarlane's, a, a city law firm here in London, and. In a nutshell, that that role involves monitoring new developments in tax and responding to government consultations and keeping keeping clients abreast of all of those developments and how they might affect their their business. So it, it it's quite reactive, um, but re- and really led by the actions of government or other policy coordinators. In in terms of milestones i i made the transition from tax advisory into tax policy when i was selected for a secondment um when i was at kpmg and i moved to to the cbi and that that was a out of the box secondment um so it wasn't actually a tax role so i was um the director general who at the time was john cridland i was his executive assistant and providing more strategic advice on the big policy affecting Big policy issues affecting affecting business, um, so that was really my my leap into the policy world. And at, at the end of the secondment, I didn't want to risk going back to um, back to my my desk doing the same the same role. And I was fortunate that it was at a time when there was a lot of focus on on tax. Um, there was a lot of scrutiny of multinational companies and their tax affairs. And it was also just at a point when the OECD were kicking off the first bets process. And so as the CBI didn't have a qualified tax person, I I pitched an idea to them that they that they needed someone, i.e. me. And I then spent the next five years there with um, in, in the tax team at the CBI, um, providing um, support for businesses and obviously feeding into into government. So that was definitely um, another sort of key key point in my career. And Rhiannon, with such an incredible journey so far, you know, kind of the CBI, tax policy that is at the forefront of everything that we're, we're doing at this moment in time, taking a step back, why tax? What was it about tax that sort of interested you in the first place? Well, I studied economics at university and I was interested in the, the fiscal policy modules. So um, I thought that gaining a tax qualification would um would would be interesting but i think the reality was that doing tax compliance you're actually very removed from that sort of macro policy environment you're processing returns you know a, a year or so after after um changes have been made and whilst some of those changes are important and they do have an impact on on the work that you're doing i didn't really feel that it satisfied my 
my interests in in tax and and policy. And I was lucky when I moved to KPMG that I got involved in policy development. It was just on the cusp of um, the patent box was was coming in, and one of the partners I I worked with had just returned from a secondment to Treasury. So we worked together on um, public consultations that that came through um, that that process. And I was fortunate enough to have that exposure and working with clients who were making investment decisions off the back of the regime. And that that really is what what interested me. So I knew that then I I wanted to get more involved in in tax policy, and I just had to find a route through. And I'm I was lucky enough to to have been able to manage that and just on that Rihanna I mean you clearly achieved so much and you know I often think about what are the things that that motivated you or the influences so you know if we had to you know ask who has been uh, the most influential person in your career or life generally what would you say? It's a really good question. I, there are, I think, lots of things you can admire and learn from people. And I think it really depends at what point you are and where, where you are in your life. I, I won't name names, but I have been really lucky to work with some of the leading minds in tax, whether that's that's heads of tax or um professionals um and I think that's been really really formative but I think you also and I try to take the opportunity to learn from friends and family as as well and at the moment I I help a local refugee family um helping them with their English and I think when you um sort of um are, are in that environment and see people who are dealing with with um such such challenging circumstances where they've fleed their home and um their loved ones just to to reach safety and um that certainly put a lot of things into perspective and you know their their determination makes makes me realize how much i i take for granted on a on a day-to-day basis so i think that yeah as i say there's lots of things you can admire and learn from from lots of people from different walks of life that's really true. And I think, you know, it, it's just a test to your varied experience in the past and, and all the kind of, I guess, interactions that you've had during the, the course of your career. Um, I also noticed that you, you sort of taught English for, for two years in, in Japan. Is that correct? That That's right. Um, you've yeah, definitely read my CV. Um, so post-university, um, I spent two years um, in the city of Fukuoka, um, right in the south of Japan. I was teaching at a high school there for two years. Um, it was probably a glorified gap year um, in a sense that I, 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 got, I got paid, um, but I was living in an amazing country and um, getting to travel, uh, make some lifelong friends, both um, in Japan, um, Japanese people, and also from people from around the world. And also got to indulge in some Japanese stereotypes of sushi and karaoke. So um, it, was a, it was a great experience. Rihanna, don't yeah. tell us about the karaoke. We're going to have to ask you for a, a song on the, on the on the tax files. Oh gosh! Well, as long as you don't ask me to do karaoke, I don't mind. Victor, <laughs> um, I mean that that's such a interesting uh, career journey that you know um, to take time out, go and visit a foreign country, and 
perhaps not directly related to tax. I mean, I know that the whole job market is changing so much and tax careers are changing. I mean, what, what's your view? I mean, how would that be seen today? Honestly, as you, as you correctly identified, I think the, the whole landscape is changing so drastically at the moment where, you know, gone are the days where people sort of enter a firm and, and spend their entire lives, you know, slaving away over the kind of, you know, 8 to 12 p.m. And, and kind of nothing else outside of that. I think a lot of the tax base has sort of started to gain a bit more balance around understanding kind of different career paths, not necessarily being that traditional trajectory of people sort of working as we say, every every hour of every day and spending X amount of years in a practice firm and then sort of moving into the in-house industry side. While that traditional route is, is still very apparent and there is a lot of respect around that, I think there's a lot more um, appreciation, I think is probably the right word, for people that have had external experiences and have moved in a different career path other than, you know, that is necessarily subject matter expert related you know I think it all comes down to people skills it comes down to the ability to you know carry a conversation with individuals not just sort of domestically but internationally and and kind of the the roundingness of skill that that brings you from taking two years out and and experiencing something new whether it be a personal passion which it definitely sounds like in in Rhiannon's case or whether it be you know, something that's a bit more related to the field that you, you specialize in, um, you know, that sort of experience is invaluable from a, from a life perspective. What were I mean, one of the things that you took away from that experience, Rhiannon? What if one major takeaway from you from taking two years out to do something completely different to, I guess, the day-to-day for you, what would have been one of the biggest takeaways? I think um, being around people from lots of different um, countries and being able to travel, I think at, at that point it was um, having been to school in the UK and university in the UK, I hadn't really had um, that exposure, and I think it really, it really um, sort of yeah opened my eyes. Certainly, Japanese culture is very um, very different to to the UK, but then also being able to interact with people from around the globe who were also um, doing a similar pursuit to me was was a really good experience and I think then as you say sort of rounded me and, and, and set me up for for actually then starting my my career. Sure I mean I, I can match for what Hector is saying as a recruiter I think diversity of experience is now actually you just have to be open and actually you bring something to it you know it's not a disadvantage it's actually you know you're bringing in people who are more well-rounded. Now Diversity is obviously sort of like a, a really important theme in the current environment. And I was just going to sort of like say that one of the things that you're very, uh, you know, heavily involved in is the women in tax, uh, which I believe you recently won an award for as well. Rihanna, um, you know, what is it that drives you to, you know, spend the time and the effort and all the passion that you bring to it? for the women in tax, uh, you know, uh, work that you do? I think I've been lucky in my career to to have a really strong network. Um, and some of those are, are, are women, but it's been across um, the tax community. Um, and I think part of um, the the initiative behind women in tax was to create that 
that core network, perhaps for people that, that don't either have the opportunity or don't have the privilege of, of, of that, that network. And so back in 2015, um, when Women in Tax was was set up, um, it was um, born out of an idea from from Heather Self, who brought together a group of us across practice and industry and HMRC. And I think it I think it has been a real game changer. I mean, one of the things that prompted Women in Tax there was an all male panel, and I think what was so provocative at the time that it was introduced as a diverse panel because there was a lawyer there was an accountant there was someone from business and there was someone from government but it was all men and I think that that was as they say the real provocation and I think since then I don't think any credible organization in the UK would would dream of hosting a tax event um, in the UK with with all men so I think that we've we've seen progress but obviously women in tax is not that's not its only pursuit, as I say. It's really been about creating a network to of women to to raise their voice, um, support them in their career, empower them, and you know we we get um, requests um, to make connections, uh, requests to recommend someone to speak at events. We get requests for quotes in newspapers, so that you don't just see the usual suspects. Um, as you say, we, we we won an award earlier this summer for for the contribution we made, and we also um, had um, a tax journal edition, which was edited by by us, and that allowed us to again to showcase women working in tax who don't always necessarily get the opportunity to write. And as the editor, actually, Paul Paul Samfer said to us, actually, not only do they not have the opportunity, but they also don't come forward and from that edition we've had a really great reception and um, also creating a pipeline so that hopefully we'll see more more variety and and more from women working in tax. Women in tax was really at the forefront I remember and I think it was 2015 when it sort of all you know started off and the events that the, the kind of organization was hosting it was really around building a support network for people with that sort of expertise and, and kind of having a cohort of individuals um, who, who are like-minded, but also kind of clear, focused on, on growing a community almost of individuals, which is sort of absolutely huge now from, from kind of everything that we see online and, and kind of in, in person of, of what you were doing. The annual um, Women in Tax Debate is, is obviously coming up. And, and from what I can see, I, I believe the subject is taxing the wealthy and, and what is fair. Um, from, from your opinion, with you know, in, in, with the light of your your head of tax policy role, but also sort of mixing in the work that you do with women in tax, what does fair tax mean for you at the moment? It's such a broad topic, and and I'd be so interested to hear your thoughts on kind of that phrase. What does that mean to you? Yeah, well, I think it's a really timely discussion actually because I think tax increases are, are certainly in the news again and I think with that there are then questions around how you how you can increase tax and who you should increase taxes on so the wealthier are likely to be um, in in target in terms of the the women in tax debate we've got some good speakers we've got Ben Tippett he's a researcher and an advocate 
of a wealth tax. We've also got someone, um, Christina Johansson, who's a founding member of the Patriotic Millionaires um, Organization. And that, I think that's really interesting that you have got um, wealthy individuals who, again, are also advocating to, um, you know, using their, their voice to advocate for a more stable and inclusive economy. Um, but I think, I mean, in terms of my perspective, I, I think politically it will be quite difficult to introduce in the UK a wealth tax per se. But I think with the, the current environment around tax increases, we're, we're likely to see, uh, you know, other existing taxes, I think, uh, are vulnerable to change, whether that's capital gains tax, non-DOMs, inheritance tax. I think all of those are likely to be vulnerable. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. We've got another fiscal event um, next month on the, on the 17th of November. So um, it's likely that we might see either some announcements or consultations announced. What I find interesting is, I mean, the term the wealthy, um, I believe the opposition doesn't allow that. Uh, I think we, we must refer to them as those with broad shoulders. But anyway, that's it separate discussion um, but it's going to be very interesting times and I think for the foreseeable future tax policy experts will definitely be in demand um, but it, it has as a tax practitioner made our jobs and tasks very very difficult because of the uncertainty I mean you obviously played a foundational role at the CBI I mean, what do you see as looking at from employer's perspective or from a business perspective? Are the things that uh, businesses should be planning for or should be, uh, you know, lobbying government for in order to remain competitive in a very, very challenging business environment? It's a good question. Um, I think we're, we're certainly at an inflection point and um, there clearly needs to be um, some some consensus about how we how we move forward the fiscal challenges are obviously quite acute in the UK but are not necessarily unique and I think other governments are also grappling with the repercussions from from the pandemic you've also got um, issues like the digitalization of the economy and obviously the OECD has been leading the way on that and then also things like climate change and so I think some of the issues um, there are, we're going to see integrated responses and the, the role of the OECD is likely to be pivotal in the in the coming years. From a domestic perspective though the UK's public finances as I say I think that we're um, raising taxes are, are going to be um, part of the the next few years for the UK to regain some some credibility, and this is going to be difficult because of the the political environment and uh, the fact that um, people in the UK are, and elsewhere are, are suffering from the cost of living crisis and the the big levers that the the government has at its disposal, each you know income tax, national insurance contributions, and VAT. All of those um, come with huge challenges, so there are no easy solutions. And I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of focus and, and conversations about how how we we get through these quite uncharted waters. 
Well, in, in, in a post-Brexit sort of like environment, we have uh, a bit more freedom perhaps than we had before. And one of those freedoms is uh, perhaps in the launch of the asset holding company, the qualified asset holding company. Uh, we've had many other investment uh, structures launched in the UK before. How optimistic are you that this will attract uh, the private equity industry to launch things onshore? Well, I don't think it's probably important not to exaggerate um, the the impact that this will have. I don't I don't foresee the UK's asset holding company regime uh, sparking the end of end of Luxembourg. Um, I think those those funds that already have a big presence in Luxembourg uh, will will remain there. But I think over over time and certainly those growing funds, um, the UK offers an alternative. And I think as long as the regime is um, is given time to bed in and some of the complexities and, and some of the issues around the edges are are dealt with, I think the UK offers offers a, a viable alternative, as I say, for perhaps those those funds that are growing or perhaps where it just doesn't make sense to have that Luxembourg presence, either the, the expense or just the nature of their strategies mean mean that it, it, it doesn't make sense. From my understanding, I think there have been about 40 or so registrations for asset holding companies in, in the first six months um, that the regime has been live, which I think is a really positive sign that actually there is appetite for their use. And, I, and over time, we'll see, we'll see more um, um, come on board, I'm sure. Okay. And what other measure do you think is, do you think is really uh, going to have the impact on the asset management industry that you're seeing or movement that you uh, think is going to be uh, important? The other area that I've been looking at is around shell entities, and there's a proposal from the Commission. Uh, it gets re- colloquially referred to as ATAD three, and it's it's an initiative that's designed to tackle the use of shell entities that have a minimal level of sus- substance that have perhaps been used for improper tax purposes and the commission's proposals are to introduce some minimum substance tests to identify at-risk entities. Now I think on first reading of that directive it is incredibly broad and quite wide ranging. Um, it's in There is no de minimis so it's intended to apply to um, all uh, companies and, and funds um, irrespective of size. And it also applies to all undertakings, so regardless of legal form. Um, but my understanding is that it's currently undergoing some serious amendments, and so potentially it won't it won't quite have the teeth. But it, I think it will change if it if it gets through and if there's um, agreement from member states. I think it will change um, the, the the standards and expectations around substance, and so you might see then. Um, Member states individually um, using that as their their sort of new um, standards, but we'll have to wait and see for the next iteration of of the directive. So, Hector, what are the chances of uh, people moving out of the UK to Luxembourg in order to uh, 
infuse substance to the structures there? It, it's a it's a real agenda point, I would say, of people looking at what the reality around substance versus sort of having something physical on the ground without anything behind it goes. Look, I think with all of these measures that are coming into the market, particularly from a UK perspective, it, it is designed and driven to retain talent and policy and everything investment-wise here in the UK. And I think that's a really positive thing, right? There's been so much confusion around the, the landscape, what it means for individual companies, uh, what the, the UK has always been subject to, although, you know, not so drastically, but definitely we sort of started to see a bit of a shift of people sort of saying, actually, you know, what are we doing in the UK? Maybe we should be exploring different territories across Europe. So hopefully a lot of these new measures that are coming in will incentivize companies to start to kind of retain and, and kind of keep their talents here in the UK. Um, but the rate of changes is shocking at the moment. We are doing this podcast with a new prime minister in, uh, in situ at the moment, having just sort of thrown a, a mini budget out the window with a new one coming up in a couple of weeks' time. It's it's um, it's a it's a little bit a bit of a roller coaster, I would say, at the moment around the, the kind of changing landscape to do with tax. Rhiannon, for, for you, with so many different things coming into the market at the moment around policy and tax treatment, tax transparency, all of these different things, how do you keep up to date with the new ongoings in in the tax world? What is your kind of methodology or principle around? keeping up to date with the, these new things that are coming into the market. Well, yeah, it, I mean, that's exactly what my job is, is, is keeping, keeping up to date, um, keeping um, my nose to the ground as to, as to what's, what's going on. I mean, there's, there's lots of different ways. Um, there's obviously things that technology can help with and using alerts, making sure that you can, um, get quick um updates on on some of those those changes i mean just the last couple of weeks has been in incredible from a uk perspective in terms of getting to know who who are the new ministers um and before you know it they've they've changed again um and there's a series of changes on on the policies as well um but i i, I figure that we're probably Hopefully, about to embark on some a little bit of stability. So, getting to know those those new policymakers will be important. But I go back to my the the, the strength of having a network and um, being able to talk to people, and having events face to face and that that networking. Um, I think it's always incredible the power of a network. Um, you were talking earlier about about your conference, and I, th I think, but by convening people together, you always take something away, whether it's about a new development or or understanding thing from a from a different perspective. So all of that is is really part and parcel of my my job and an important aspect. Excellent, thank you very much, Ren. Um, we have had uh, the benefit of hearing about your. Uh, really interesting career journey. Um, we talked a little bit about your role and the work that you're doing with women in tax and it sounds like uh, that's having a really big impact. And uh, finally, we talked a little bit about some of the key tax developments in a very uncertain time, but particularly for the investment management industry, we talked about asset holding companies and uh, also the 
83. And it's really good to hear that you're positive about the asset holding company. Um, with that, I think we are ready to move to our favorite round, aren't we, Hector? I think it's time for the rapid fire, Ian. <laughs> tell me, how are you feeling before we launch into this, uh, into this round? I'm a little, a little nervous <laughs> as oh. to what may be coming, but um, it's 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 all in good good fun. So so let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, without further ado, are you ready, Rhiannon? Yes. Amazing. Right. Are you ready for the rapid fire round, Rhiannon? Yes, ready. Brilliant. Books or TV? Books. Coffee or tea? Tea. Bad haircut or bad dye job? Oh, bad dye job. Led Zeppelin or Fleetwood Mac? It's got to be Fleetwood Mac. Zombies or vampires? Oh, zombies. Early bird or night owl? Oh, I love the morning, so um, I guess an early bird, although I need an alarm clock. Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton? Kim Kardashian. What is your favourite book that you've ever read? Ooh, um, there's a book by Elif Shafak, um, 10 Minutes and 38 Seconds in a Strange World. She's a Turkish writer, but it, it really puts you into Istanbul. It's, it's, a, it's a really great book. Sorry, I was just going to say, have you been to Istanbul? I have a few times, and it's, it's such a great city. Just the 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 smell and the the chaos and the food. Um, it's yeah, it's a really it's a really great um, city. So uh, yeah, really enjoyed visiting. Right, this one for our readers. Definitely put that on your read list if it's going to transport you there because mm. this is fantastic. What is your biggest fear, Rhiannon? Oh, biggest fear. Well, I hate spiders. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure how deep you're trying to get with that question. But um, <laughs> but yeah, spiders um, are not good in the house. That is a fear of everyone. And lastly, what is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, um, well, I definitely think you should, um, in terms of career, I've, I've tried to get into a bit of a bit of tax that I enjoy so I, I definitely recommend that because you you work for such a large part of your 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 life that um, you really need to enjoy so definitely look for that and then a piece of advice someone someone gave to me about sort of dwelling on things and they they, they said the 10-year test and they suggested you, you should ask yourself whether whether something would matter in 10 days and it, it might does it matter in 10 months and you know pro probably not but maybe but then ask yourself will it matter in 10 years and the chances are no so um, don't don't dwell on things is, is is my advice what a great piece of advice you made it Rhiannon you survived the rapid fire round oh <laughs> <laughs> thank you it's tough <laughs> I was on edge <laughs> excellent excellent thank you very much Rihanna um but it's just going to ask I mean there's lots of listeners at different stages in their career I mean um what specific advice would you give from a tax policy perspective to um, tax advisors generally what to look out for or some piece of information that you may wish to impart? Well, I think being able to be up, up to date is, is really important. So I think anyone, whether heads of tax or, or those working in, in the advisory space, you really have to be 
up to date and I think clients clients expect that and and heads of tax are increasingly much more involved in in policy making so um it's it's a really important part of the job as we know tax is obviously always changing and at the moment it's it's highly volatile so it makes that job a little bit harder but following people on on twitter or um, making sure you're signed up to different advisors and their their updates is a, is probably a good good place to start. Definitely great advice. Knowledge is power. Indeed. Well, thank you for listening to the Tax Files. It's been a pleasure as always. Please subscribe and get in contact if you wish to discuss any of these topics with us and our team, or if you have any questions at all. To stay up to date with announcements, updates, and guest reveals, please follow Hansuki on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Joanna. You've been a wonderful guest. And of course, Ecton, great to have uh, had this podcast. Um, we just hope to see you again uh, soon and do tune in. Thank you very much. Thank you.